You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network. This podcast was recorded on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh people. To learn more about the land you are on, visit native-land.ca. Hello and welcome to Women's Health Interrupted, a Women's Health Research Cluster podcast. I'm Rebecca Barron. And I'm Sydney Clips. Through scientific inquiry and storytelling, this podcast brings you content about women's health from many angles. Jamie and Patricia are the co-founders of the Canadian Perinatal Mental Health Collaborative, which advocates for better mental health for all individuals during preconception, pregnancy, and the postpartum periods. Outside of this role, Jamie holds a Master's of Science in Nursing, a perinatal nursing certification from the Canadian Nurses Association, and a perinatal mental health certification from Postpartum Support International. Patricia is a former journalist turned fierce advocate who went from writing about the state of maternal mental health in Canada as a reporter for HuffPost Canada to lobbying the federal government for a national perinatal mental health strategy. Welcome back to this week's episode of Advocating for a National Perinatal Mental Health Strategy. We are so excited to be joined today by our speakers, Jamie Charlebois and Patricia Tomasi. Thank you both for being here with us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Of course. So to start us off, you two founded the Canadian Perinatal Mental Health Collaborative. Can you tell us a bit more about why you started this organization? Absolutely. Well, we always we like to tell the story of how Jamie and I met, because really that is the catalyst for how we started the Canadian Perinatal Mental Health Collaborative or CPMHC. So I'm Patricia and I was uh, working as a reporter for HuffPost Canada, writing about mental health, but mainly writing about perinatal mental health because I had gone through it and I just wanted to know everything I could about it and what was happening in Canada. And I came across the amazing Jamie Charlebois, who is the perinatal mood disorder coordinator for North Simcoe Muskoka, where I live. And not only does she live in the same region as I do, but she only lives a couple kilometers away from me. And I had never known Jamie. We had never known each other. So we met through the connection of perinatal mental health. And then we kept bumping into each other at different places. And this is in Barrie that we live. We would bump into each other at the grocery store. We started hanging out, going for coffee and talking about perinatal mental health in Canada. And I learned about Jamie's story. And we just, we thought, why isn't there an advocacy organization, a national advocacy organization rooting for perinatal mental health, improving the system in Canada. So we decided to do it ourselves. Wow. What a small world being so close to each other with the same vision as well. That's, that's wonderful. Um, So maybe if you can explain a bit to our listeners as well, maybe the difference between the stages of prenatal, perinatal and maternal health, what exactly does that mean? So when we talk about perinatal mental health, we look at 
from conception to one year postpartum. But the reality is we should be looking a little bit before conception in the preconception stage. And also knowing that if people have mental health illnesses that go untreated, they can go beyond that one year postpartum. So really we're looking at struggles in mental health that can happen throughout the reproductive years. And we know that many people know the term postpartum or postpartum depression, but 50% actually starts prenatally, meaning within the pregnancy. And it's either misdiagnosed or people actually can confuse it with some of the symptoms of pregnancy, the discomforts of pregnancy. And we also know that anxiety can happen and actually start to get much worse as you go through your pregnancy. And so we're looking at those two. We also look at obsessive compulsive disorder, um, panic disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, especially surrounding birth. So there's lots of different triggers during that time bipolar disorder, eating disorders, and in the very rare occasion, about one to two per 1000, a postpartum psychosis, which is a severe mental health emergency that typically requires hospitalization. Wow. So there's definitely many issues or things that mothers go through after having a child that maybe isn't spoken about as much at the forefront in Canada. So I was just wondering, in terms of these emotional and psychological well-being of mothers, how does this affect their newborn? How do we help these mothers deal and cope and implement strategies in order to support them in this journey? Good question. So when people are pregnant, we really have to understand what we call a risk-benefit discussion. And so when somebody finds out they're pregnant, if they have pre-existing mental illness, there needs to be a conversation about how to support their mental health during the pregnancy. If they're already on medications, many healthcare providers will tell them to stop their meds, which we know is not appropriate because they will relapse in their pregnancy more often than none. Some people will come off of their medications thinking that they're doing what's best for the baby, not knowing that there's two scenarios. The baby is either exposed to medication or the baby is exposed to untreated mental illness. And both can have long-term effects on that child's mental health and their trajectory through the rest of their life. So without becoming too scientific, when a woman goes through mental health disorders when she's pregnant, there's changes to her neurochemicals and different hormones, stress hormones like cortisol are released, which go through mom to the placenta, which then affect the brain of the baby or fetus at that time. And so what we're really advocating for is conversations about mental health before pregnancy, during pregnancy, that risk benefit discussion about, is it better or worse to be subjected to the medication or to the mental illness itself, knowing that it will affect mom and her family and the children as they go on in their life course. Absolutely. And as two mothers, how has that really changed your perspective on dealing with these mental health issues and dealing with struggles that come postpartum? Well, I mean, it was completely life-changing because 
Oh, I mean, mental health is such a huge topic. And for me, I had a history of mental health conditions and illnesses in my family that were never really fully assessed and diagnosed. And then in my own life, same thing, never fully assessed or diagnosed. And then, you know, went through all my stages of childhood, adolescence, adulthood, and then became pregnant and then postpartum. And that was when it hit a crisis point and I could no longer guess or just try to come up with my own coping mechanisms in my day-to-day life. I had a baby to look after, plus what turned out to be postpartum bipolar disorder, severe perinatal mental illness. So going through that, learning about that, navigating the healthcare system to no avail, finally getting the treatment I needed the second time around that it happened to me, And then to becoming an advocate today for perinatal mental health, for me, it has altered my life in a very dramatic, purposeful way that otherwise, I mean, I never was never a kid and say, I want to grow up and be a perinatal mental health advocate. But this, this is now my life's work and Jamie's life's work. And uh, we just want to make sure that other women, other people, other birthing persons have the help that they deserve and that they need in Canada. And we're so fortunate to have the two of you with us doing that. (laughs) So Patricia, I just wanted to ask you one other follow-up question. What do you think are the largest barriers in Canada for women who are seeking access to perinatal mental health services? Mm -hmm. So the, the one for me, which is the biggest barrier is universal screening. And so by that, I mean, when you become, I mean, it should really start before you're pregnant. It should start actually when the day you're born or even before this is like a never ending circle here, but basically when you're pregnant and you get tested for all these things like rubella or gestational diabetes, you know, like there's things that you go through that you get tested for. Unfortunately, perinatal mental illness is not one of the mandatory, like you don't have to take any of these tests, but it's not mandatory for your healthcare provider to ask you about your mental well-being. There are some questions, some anxiety and depression questions on what's called a perinatal record in some provinces, but we hear from healthcare providers that sometimes they don't feel comfortable asking those questions because one, they haven't had the training or one and two, they don't know where to send somebody. If they do say, yes, I'm having weird thoughts, intrusive thoughts, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling anxious because of long wait lists to see a specialist, a perinatal specialist, which oftentimes are only available in urban centers, or also not being able to afford private therapy. And then also not having the training perhaps, and Jamie can speak to this more, but you know, there are medications that you can take while pregnant and breastfeeding, but doctors and healthcare providers might not feel comfortable prescribing it because they don't have all of the training. And there's a lot of stigma still attached to perinatal mental illness. So a lot of barriers, uh, access to care and universal screening would be my top two. There are lots more like, like mother and baby units that I don't know, maybe Jamie wants to talk about, but there's so much more that we need to do here in Canada. 
And Jamie, what are your thoughts on that? What Patricia just said? Well, I thought it was very well said. And I think one of the other pieces that Patricia usually talks about is that, you know, when you're going through perinatal mental illness, a time where you're struggling to function, a time when you may not have the cognitive ability to make really good decisions or your brain feels foggy. Currently in Canada, the onus is on these individuals to navigate the system on their own. And, you know, that's so unethical. And, you know, in Canada, yes, we have this wonderful free healthcare system, but we do not have enough specialized and trained individuals in perinatal mental illness. And so that means that some of the people are having insensitive and invalidating conversations with their healthcare providers. There's consistent, you know, oh, it will get better or suck it up. And a lot of that comes from a general discomfort in the topic. And also like Patricia was saying, just not knowing where to send people. And I think that until, say, the Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists or the College of Family Physicians, College of Midwives, until those agencies mandate screening practices, right now it's just people deciding whether they want to ask the question or not. There is no thou shalt. And that you know, is very problematic in a system that, especially with COVID, we have huge wait lines, we are having phone assessments where you can't see a person face to face, especially in the perinatal period, women wear masks, and they put on this kind of facade of functionality, which we know, you know, when the proper questions are asked, they can't hide that anymore. And so, there's so many flaws, but until the onus is on the healthcare system to ask the questions, to mandate the questions, we're going to be kind of stumbling through. Yeah. And as we kind of stumble our way through this, I guess I'm really interested in learning a bit more about how we can implement a strategy that allows us to support mothers. What would a national perinatal mental health strategy look like in your opinion? I mean, this is what we've been lobbying for ever since CPMHC was formed when Jamie and I sat down in a, in a coffee shop one night and made our wish list pre-pandemic. And we were like, okay, what, what do we want? So it wasn't just Jamie and I deciding what should go in a national strategy. We formed a national committee and social media ambassador committee of clinicians, doctors, researchers from across Canada. And so Over the last two years, we have been working with these top perinatal mental experts to flesh out and figure out what would go into a national strategy. And we released a report called Time for Action in May 2021. And in that report, we list 15 recommendations of what we would love to see happen in a national strategy. Now, we know healthcare is a provincial domain. It's also a federal domain, but the transfer payments go to the provinces and it's the provinces that then work to, you know, use those payments to improve their healthcare systems in each of their own provinces and territories. But what we would like to see is leadership on the part of the federal government. And we're very encouraged by the new Ministry of Mental Health and Addictions that was announced. And we're very, very eager 
to work with Minister Carolyn Bennett on the future of perinatal mental health care and for a top-down approach and for those mental health transfer payments to come with, I don't know if conditions is the right word, but to come with direction and guidance. And I mean, we could list all those 15 recommendations, but we talked about before universal screening, timely access to treatment, more money for perinatal mental health research, something called mother and baby units, which exist in Australia and the UK and a couple are sprouting up in the US, where if a mom or birthing person has severe perinatal mental illness, they can then go to a mom and baby unit and receive specialized care and keep their baby with them instead of going into a general psychiatric ward, which is what happens in Canada right now. We do not have one mother and baby unit. So we would love the federal government to work in tandem with provinces and territories, with Indigenous leaders, with stakeholders across Canada to come up with Canada's set of first perinatal mental health guidelines that could form the basis for a strategy for the whole country to follow. So no person is left behind. And I love that. I love the top-down approach that the two of you are looking at, as well as the very interdisciplinary nature of this strategy. I think that's something that definitely needs to be added in and be there in order to support these women who are going through these issues. And I just wanted to ask as well for our listeners, how can they be engaged in the work that the two of you are doing in order to help support you in this endeavor to create this national perinatal mental health strategy? Yeah. So we just became a nonprofit in May of 2021 and are currently recruiting for our board of directors. And so as we re-envision the structure of CPMHC, we are going to have a membership level called the Friends of CPMHC. So you can join us for a small fee and help us advocate and help us create awareness across Canada from coast to coast to coast. And we can't do it without volunteers and without individuals. Patricia will always say that we created the space for people to advocate. And this is not just Trish and I, this is a collective. This is a membership and a group of people advocating from multiple different levels across many different fields. And this is where the success has come from. Passion-driven practitioners and warrior moms and warrior parents who have gone through this and do not want anybody to go through it again. And you can't pay for that type of passion. It just comes naturally and that's what's fueling everything. And so, yeah, if you want to join us, please go to cpmhc.ca, our website, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, I believe, and you will find ways to become involved as we move through into 2022, there will be lots of different campaigns and call outs and potentially subcommittees where we will be taking on different projects. And we would love to see you join us. And all those links will be in our show notes as well. So if you're curious and learning a bit more about what Patricia and Jamie are doing, please click on those links. So I wanted to open the floor now to the two of you just to add in any final thoughts or words. 
Wow. That's dangerous. Giving the floor completely to us. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we just want you, we're just grateful that perinatal mental health is starting to starting to reach a level, I think of conversation and awareness in the public realm that it, it didn't have before. And I think that's to the acknowledgement of all of us who have gone through it and are saying enough is enough. We don't want our daughters, our sons to go through this. We want there to be help available to them and we're going to change the system. We're going to do it now. So we don't want this to happen in 10 years. We don't want this to happen in five years. We want this to happen now. And we also want to thank the political leaders and elected officials who have stood up with us from all parties. This is an all party issue. And we, you know, we thank them for wanting to take this issue all the way to the top. We know change is, is coming. It's right around the corner and we're, we're eager and excited to follow it through. And Jamie. Well, and I think the other piece kind of tagging on to what I was talking about before about kind of this passion fueled collective of individuals is we recently published our anthology, You Are Not Alone, uh, stories of those that are struggling with perinatal mental illness. And we have 49 stories. We have stories from clinical experts, clinicians, researchers, and the call out went out and we had thousands of responses. We could make probably two or three more volumes to this. And I just, I think that speaks so loud and clear that people want a space to talk. They want their voices to be heard. They no longer want to struggle in silence. And it is available on Amazon and in bookstores in the new year. And you will hear more about our anthology coming soon. Wonderful. All right. Thank you so much to the two of you for taking time out of your day to speak with me. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, this is great. got a few new synapses firing for you be sure to subscribe on whichever platform you get your podcasts to hear our episodes when they drop every second wednesday each month get in touch with us we welcome any questions and constructive feedback you can email us at womenshealth.interrupted at ubc.ca or find us on twitter at research on wh or on instagram at whr cluster to learn more about this topic, check out our show notes at womenshealthresearch.ubc.ca. We would like to thank the Michael Smith Foundation, BioTalent Canada, Patreon, and the UBC Global Lounge for their generous support of this project. We would also like to thank the UBC Medicine Learning Network and its wonderful staff for hosting our podcast. And a special thank you to Catherine Moore, who manages the Women's Health Research Cluster for all of her work in the development of this initiative. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful day or evening wherever you are, and please take care of yourselves. Wishing you good health. This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network. 